Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a dog and cat chat, mini coaching session with one of my listeners where I answer some burning questions and talk about their next steps in their pet's integration journey. Today, I'm talking to Yvonne, and I can't wait to dive right in. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. Thank you for being here, and welcome to your dog and cat chat. My pleasure. (laughs) So before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty and some tips and things like that, we all need to know who we're talking about. So let's set the scene a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your pets so we can get a sense of who we'll be discussing, and then we'll talk about what your questions are and what you're dealing with after that. Okay, Um, so Pet A is our extremely friendly and enthusiastic Bull Terrier mix, Sunny, who we adopted October before last. So we've had him about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And he was adopted as a rescue. He was a stray in South Carolina. So we don't know a whole lot of history there. Mm -hmm. But he's there. He's extremely people friendly. And with some work has become more dog friendly. Mm -hmm. But until very recently, there were no cats in the home. Mm -hmm. So he was the only pet we had. And then we decided to start fostering cats. Mm -hmm. And I was eagerly hoping to become a foster fail. (laughs) (laughs) That's the wrong term. Foster fail is the wrong term. I know. I know. It's Every time I think it, I'm like, that's terrible. But it is like, you know, that's, I guess, the agreed upon parlance. So anyways, we got our lovely kitty Lizzie just a little over a week ago as a foster mm-hmm. and quick we quickly we were like oh this is the cat for us oh um, okay she's just like we instantly in love she's extremely sweet extremely agreeable i think so we also have small kids we have our kids are four and six so in thinking about whether or not realistically we could adopt one of the cats who came to us mm-hmm. you know there's just sort of personalities generally like do you hit it off yeah. but also is the cat very very skittish or highly anxious yeah. will being in a house with small children be an unhappy life for the cat <laughs> yes will being in a house with a dog who again is really friendly but like very enthusiastic <laughs> be an unhappy life for a cat and she's I mean she's proven to be just like really really chill great love a chill cat yeah very chill like a little bit was like a little standoffish when Augie, our four-year-old, first came into the room. She was, for the first, like, day, anytime she heard someone coming up the stairs, she would run behind her crate Mm -hmm. and then stopped running all the way behind her crate and now doesn't run to the crate at all. So it seemed like relatively rapid progress in the right direction of, like, getting her bearings and building confidence. Getting the lay of the land, figuring out the routine. Exactly. stuff. Okay. So I didn't hear whether you told me how old each of them are. Oh, so Sonny, we think, let's see, uh, he was estimated to be between three and four years old when we adopted him. He's like five. But I think he definitely was on the younger side of that because he even now has like just some puppy energy. That's not going to go away. Sorry. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like when when he does his zoomies, he's like a year. Yeah. (laughs) But no, he's probably like four or five years old. Uh And the rescue estimates that Lizzie is about two. Okay. So she's not a kitten. No, not a kitten. She's very tiny. Hmm. But but demeanor-wise is, you know, she's not, she hasn't leapt into the toilet or anything. 
I love how that's your that's your line, right? You're like, why are we getting rape into toilets? I wonder if that's, someone has should have done a study on that. It's like, where did your behavior end? So, okay, so you've had her for about a week in your home. What is the setup? Are they seeing each other? What's going on in terms of their association with each other? She's met the kids, obviously. She's met the kids, uh-huh. yes. So, so she currently is sort of sequestered on the third floor of our home. So the third floor of our home is like all the rooms connect to one another. Uh-huh. It's like a loop. Yeah. And then the stairs, like there's a door to the stairs from each of these rooms. Uh-huh. The doors to the stairs are shut, but the doors between the rooms are all open. Got it. Love. She has access to all of the rooms on the third floor, but not access to the rest of the house, the second floor at all. Okay. So we've kept her there Mm -hmm. as she's sort of like, everything I've read says like, you want them to build confidence. You don't want to introduce too much space too quickly. So that's sort of what we've been going with. And she's been very happy now that she's exploring our bedroom and everything. So you sleep on the third floor? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's been sleeping in her crate, okay. except during the day when she's out and about, and then she's sleeping wherever she falls asleep. Is there a litter box in the crate? Yeah, there's a small litter box in the crate, and then we have one in the bathroom that's on the third floor, okay. too. Okay, good. Okay. So, do, do the kids sleep on the third floor as well? No, they sleep on the second floor. Okay. And where does Sunny... So, Sunny's on the first floor. Okay. Yeah, and we have a gate at the top of the stairs between the first and second floor. Great. Love it. So, Sunny mostly hangs out on the first floor... The kids are skittish around Sonny because he is still a little jumpy when he gets excited mm-hmm. um, and like weighs significantly more than they do. Yeah. So we don't let them around each other unsupervised at all. Um, so Sonny, Sonny hangs on the first floor. He's got free range and the door to the backyard is open. So he like hangs, goes in and out, but only comes upstairs if it's like with me or my husband. Got it. Okay. So sounds like a pretty ideal setup where everyone kind of has their own zones and meetings can happen <laughs> while supervised and carefully orchestrated. Yes. Which is great. So eventually, where do you want the cat to be? I think the third floor would still be kind of her safe area because that makes the most sense. Yeah, because like I don't think we're, especially with the kids at the ages and sizes that they are mm-hmm. and their like level of comfort around Sunny. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're like probably a couple of years away from him just being able to come upstairs on his own. Right. Yeah, for sure. If at all. Just like for the kids. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think like the third floor would probably be Kat's home base. Mm-hmm. But ideally, I would love for Lizzie to have the freedom to roam wherever she so chooses. Mm-hmm. But like know that the third floor or whatever other spaces we build for her elsewhere in the house too would be like escape zones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Is there a way to close? I know you have a gate up from the first to the second floor. Is there a way to close that area, like cat proof it? Like keep her from getting through the gate? To keep her from getting to the first floor? Probably not. Okay. There's no door. So that that stairwell just leads straight into the hallway Mm -hmm. that leads then to the stairwell up to the third floor. Like there's no door there. Yeah. How come architects don't think about cat proofing? When they're, it's just really unfortunate. <laughs> it's like a hundred and twenty-year-old house. Yeah, ours too. <laughs> Everything about this space is weird. Like there aren't any right angles anywhere. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking, just management-wise, right? You've got a really good setup right now, but as we try to expand Lizzie's territory, yeah, we are going to 
have to keep her on the third floor when she is not supervised because I am worried that a large bull terrier who has no sense of self-preservation and is a bull in a china shop literally and she's (laughs) and she's really little right I don't want us to get to the point where we're worried that she has kind of snuck down Mm. and he doesn't know what to do and something happens right so if you're all hanging out on the first floor Mm -hmm. then that should be okay right but we do need to make sure that at least until we kind of (laughs) reevaluate we're making sure that there's a a very hard line of safety first right this needs to be heavily supervised if either you or your husband has not taken responsibility for watching them Mm -hmm. then she's on the third floor right or like in a room with you right 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 <laughs> behind the only, yeah right yeah um okay so as long as we have that kind of baseline understanding mm-hmm. in terms of like routine she's not stuck in one tiny room she has a lot of different options yeah she's got like a fair amount of room to roam yeah. um and like you know windowsills to sit on and we got her a cat tower and like so she's shown exactly zero interest in <laughs> So that's something we can train. (laughs) So that was going to be my next thing. What kind of enrichment are both of the animals getting? So we have, Sunny seems to have a lot of energy and understandably. So kind of what is his routine to get that push buildings out? The thing about Sunny is that like, he does his like crazy zoomies for like two to three minutes at a time. Uh And then like most of the time he sleeps. Yeah. Like he is, like, even when we first got him, like, I would sit down and then he'd come and do the thing cats do where, like, they, like, come and stand on your lap and turn in circles and then sit down. Uh-huh. Like, he would do that to me. And I'd be like, you don't know that you're a dog. Yeah. So, like, so he does have lots of energy in, like, short bursts. Yeah. But he actually spends most of his time just, like, I, I built him, like, like a window seat on the first floor. Uh-huh. So he, like, he has, like, his cushion and his window and he just, like, lays in the window and, like, watches the street. Love it. So that's a lot of his enrichment, I think, is, like, observing the street. Mm -hmm. He has his, he has a bunch of toys. He likes to play with his, um, like, squeaky monkey Mm -hmm. toy. So, like, tug with his toys. And depending on the weather, he gets, like, one to two walks a day. Mm -hmm. So that will take us anywhere from, like, 30 minutes to two hours of walking a day like if it's he's so funny if it's over like 60 degrees he wants to walk for like 10 minutes well you know his face is weird and his nose is weird and he can't <laughs> yeah, like Brady cephalic thing. yeah i get it i i'm yeah. the same way i melt <laughs> i it was like 80 on saturday here like beautiful weather my family was like let's go on a hike and i was like oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> I was like this is writing <laughs> profusely not because it was intense exercise and i was like give me a 65 you know 56 55 65 degree day anyway okay i digress so <laughs> the reason that i ask about this is because when we are thinking of bringing two animals together before we do that, I want to make sure that their exercise and mental enrichment needs are met as much as possible individually so that any behaviors that might come out when the other animal is around has a 
kind of more appropriate outlet <laughs> outside right. of their interactions, right? So mm-hmm. if he's a chasey kind of dog, if he's a jumpy kind of dog, we want to give him chasey and jumpy opportunities within play mm-hmm. so that he's less likely to do that when she's around. Yeah. So especially the zooms and the jumping on the kids as well, this that would probably help him. So you have a yard, which is great. Mm -hmm. In terms of doing like quick bursts of zoomy type energy and then relaxation, Mm -hmm. the the game that I recommend for a lot of dogs like this is a flirt pull. Have you heard of a flirt pull? We do. We actually have one. Great. How does he, have you tried it with him? We have. He's like intermittently interested. Okay. What does that behavior look like? So... I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because we're also like coming out of like our winter hibernation. So I'm trying to think of like the last time I played with Sunny with the flirt pole. Mm-hmm. He will like if I right. So you sort of like waggle it around to like get his interest, mm-hmm. and then but it like I feel like he doesn't like it takes a lot of work to get him to notice the the thing on the end of the flirt pole. Okay, and then he wants to like jump on it and chase it and bite it, you know, like chew on it the way he would with like a tug toy. Mm-hmm. But usually, his interest in that is quickly overcome by his interest in the person who's handling the first football. <laughs> so, if that makes sense, yes. So, like. I can only keep him the the distance between myself and the flirt pole for like a couple of minutes or like a couple of rounds. Uh-huh. And then he's like, we're playing. And that means I get to, like, he wants to jump on me. Okay. So does he do that during tug as well, which is like a closer proximity version of flirt pole? <laughs> Less so. Okay. And does he know how to drop his tug toy on cue? No. Okay. So... Play is a really great way to introduce these kinds of skills. And honestly, with flirt pull, like a few rounds, a few minutes is enough for each session. So if he's saying like, I, that was intense, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Hi, mom, I love you, <laughs> right? Then there could be a lot of reasons for that, but we can accept that as I'm done for now. Let's put it away and mm-hmm. do something else. Okay. It is kind of like a hit workout, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> high intensity for 30 seconds. He catches it. He stops, yeah. noms, lets yeah. it go, runs around like a Looney Tune, right? Okay. okay. So that's that's what we want. Okay. You can introduce a drop cue here as well. And the reason that that's really a great thing is to start working on some of his like regulation of his energy. Mm-hmm. So if he's up, well, I'm chasing it. I have the thing. Okay, let's drop it. Let's take a breath mm-hmm. and then go get it again. That's going to help. Mm-hmm. Just with like a general skill that it seems like he and most other bullies just don't come out of the box with. Um, yep. They're just intense a lot or asleep. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. Not all bullies. Don't come at me, guys. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that would just be a good exercise for him to do in general. Mm -hmm. And with her, I would like you to be practicing having her move around the space and going up on stuff. So does she like cat toys? Like, does she like wand toys, which are very similar? No, I mean, we have, we've been trying to figure out some sort of play item for her mm-hmm. so far she's been she's displayed exactly zero interest in everything 
Yeah. So there's a couple of potential reasons for that, right? One, she's still super new. Mm. And being super new, even though she looks like she's acclimating, you're not going to see like the beginnings of a full behavior repertoire for like when you've had someone for about three weeks. So she's still in that kind of like, I'm trying lots of things out, watching a lot of things happen kind of phase. Also, play is basically the opposite of stress. So if she's stressed at all, the play behaviors tend to like plummet. So that would be another reason. Number three, we don't really know much about her. We don't know what her play history is. We don't know if she knows what to do. So one, does she like her food? She does seem to like her food. Okay. Um, Her dry food and her wet food. Great. So I would try putting like small bowls around the space, not just like feeding her one bowl at mealtime. So there's some bowls up on the top of the cat tree. There's one bowl up on the windowsill or whatever, just to get her to explore her space a little bit and get used to moving Mm -hmm. up on stuff. Mm -hmm. So those are just kind of like skills that you can do separately that will be super useful when (laughs) when you do eventually get them together. My one last question before we move on to just kind of like actually having them experience each other, which is kind of like Mm -hmm. the next phase after you get some of these other behaviors under your belt. Mm -hmm. When Sonny sees someone coming down the stairs, Mm -hmm. what does he do? Mostly he just sits. Okay, so he's not like jumping at the gate, trying to like- No, 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 no. Unless he's really, really hyped up for like a specific reason. No. Uh Which, what what might that be? All right, so for example, Uh we were babysitting a guinea pig a couple of months ago <laughs> oh my god pig sitting love it i love i love all the animals oh my god piggies i love piggies so much. we were babysitting a guinea pig and he was like so into this guinea pig mm-hmm. so like i let him like sniff the guinea pig through the gate as long as he was staying calm and he was but then the second the guinea pig would go away like out of his sight mm. he would like flip out and be like whining and barking and just like stood at the top of the stairs for like an hour and a half complaining mm-hmm. which is really out of character like he doesn't normally beg to come up the stairs so that's mm-hmm. not like typical for him to like be there like hey let me in let me in mm-hmm. mostly he just like stays at the bottom of the stairs he like hangs out on his window seat or on the couch like he is he can see the stairs from all of those places in the living room Mm -hmm. and mostly like doesn't particularly care if we're coming down like what we're doing Mm -hmm. unless we're until we're like already down there and even then I mean like when we first got him he would like come running and now he's sort of like you know like he gets up slowly and stretches his legs and will come over and give a sniff and then go about his business so so that is pretty he's he's pretty chill about the stairs okay so that's good. We know that he can. <laughs> he has the ability to habituate to normal stuff, right? Like at the beginning, you coming down the stairs was an event because mm-hmm. it happens often and it's not that big of a deal. Right. He's like, okay, after a while he learns sometimes they come down the stairs and it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Guinea pig has never come down the stairs before. It's very so he's gonna be way back to that baseline of like yeah. holy shit there is a new, <laughs> new a new thing that is kind of smelly and weird and makes noise and whatever the guinea pig was doing yeah so all of those factors are going to probably translate when he sees the cat through the gate 
Yeah. Okay. Wait. So I have, I have an additional piece of information that is probably useful. Give it to me. So yesterday, my four-year-old left the door open on the third floor. Of course. We were never And we were all on the second floor. So it wasn't like anything was, it wasn't like the cat was getting down to the first floor. But I, you know, walked over toward the bathroom and saw the cat on the second floor. Mm-hmm. So I went and I grabbed her and I was in the middle of a conversation with my husband. And I like, so I was holding her and I sort of saw Sunny from like away from the stairs notice. Uh-huh. Um, and we've been trading their blankets back and forth at night so that they okay. can like smell each other. Uh-huh. And he's been really calm about it, which I was really proud of and very proud uh-huh. of his behavior. Anyways, the point is he saw the cat through the gate mm-hmm. and he stayed at the bottom of the stairs and he like, he just like wagged his tail mm-hmm. and didn't come running and didn't vocalize like he didn't start barking or whining okay I didn't bring her any closer because I didn't want her to get any closer or be stressed out but my point is he saw the cat Mm -hmm. and everything about his behavior and body language was way calmer than I thought it would be great so you said that she was you were holding her up at the top of the stairs yeah okay you're behind the gate Uh uh-huh but like right at the top of the stairs he great so yeah. you've accidentally hit on probably what the appropriate threshold distance would be to start doing setups. Okay. So what that would might look like is, so we're getting into phase two here, right? <laughs> is you might start feeding her at the top of the stairs right. and he's probably eating not right at the gate, further back, maybe even on his windowsill or in okay. and around his windowsill so that they can see each other but are not really in each other's orbit. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, we still need to know a little bit more about her mm-hmm. in order to figure out what the best kinds of setups will be. So I have a few different kind of like progressions of setups that I recommend depending on the types of interactions, the types of animals that are kind of in the the pair, right? Yeah. Sunny is a space reducing animal. He will do a lot of behaviors to get to the thing that he is interested in. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> I feel like he's Absolutely. pretty textbook. We don't really know about her, right? We mm-hmm. kind of know that she's a space seeking animal because when she was first stressed out by the kids, she ran behind. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have that kind of be like our hypothesis. Mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure. Once she's gotten the lay of the land, she might do some different stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain progression of different types of setups based on a space-reducing dog and a space-seeking cat that will help them practice appropriate behaviors around each other in that mm-hmm. systematic way that we were talking about. So mm-hmm. the first one is just going to be like as far back as possible can if she's elevated which she is at the top of the mm-hmm. stairs then <laughs> he is depending on how your house is set up he's um probably going to be doing like like we were talking about with her like little stations of food so he's not just mm-hmm. staying in one spot but because he when he's interested in something he likes to move we want to mm-hmm. give him the opportunity to move but in an appropriate way mm-hmm. so you have a few different little spots where he could grab his food and like Maybe glance up at her, but then he'd be, you know, involved in his own thing. And she'd be able to watch him while she's eating move Mm -hmm. around the space 
mm-hmm. while he's not staring at her, <laughs> right? So she would get that information about him. Right. Because we want to start them out exhibiting behaviors that are relatively trustworthy around each other. We want to make sure that she doesn't feel the need to run because that's going to be really exciting for him. And we don't want him to act too intense around her because that's going to make her more freaked out. So we want to be like, can we set the stage for everyone to do the behaviors that they might normally do when there is no other animal around? Just like doing their own thing. Right. The other one happens to be watching. So that's where we're kind of going with this. I wouldn't start that until we know a little bit more about her, until we see how well she is able to eat in kind of different scenarios. Okay. So that would be like the first next step would be. Correct. Right. Putting her food sort of around the room in different spaces in the room she occupies. Yes. On that third floor, just getting her out into her space, exploring and just looking to see what her eating behavior is because eating is a behavior that we can train. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's not an eater Mm -hmm. by nature. (laughs) We can work on that before we try to get her to eat when there's a trigger. Got it. Okay. I want to make sure that she's like, I can eat no matter what's happening. Not really no matter what, but you know, there's, you've seen her do to eat in different types of scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And with him, the same thing. I want to make sure that he can eat. He can do little stations too near his windowsill or whatever. He can practice those behaviors. Okay. And then we would then put them together. Okay. Quote unquote together. Right. 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 Like, (laughs) Within, you know, eye eye distance or eyesight or whatever. Yes. And one last thing is Mm -hmm. that the baby gate is not secure, right? Like she could jump it. Mm -hmm. He never has, but, you know, she's the wild. He couldn't. It's tall. It's a tall gate. Okay, great. So, like, he definitely couldn't jump it from below. Okay. That makes sense because it's like up. So like the distance he'd have to clear is much greater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she's the wild card here. So what I usually recommend in these situations is to try to make sure that there's actually two levels of management when we're exposing them to each other. So that might look like is you have that baby gate and there's like another gate at the top of the stairs where she can still see through, but it's like an extra deterrent. (laughs) I don't think she's going to try to jump it, but again, we don't know her that well. So we want to just be conservative in that way. Mm -hmm. So that would be your first setup to do once we are familiar with their eating behaviors and you can play with his flirt pole stuff and see how he does with that. Okay. And yeah, you can send videos of any of this because I know everyone would pro- would love to see your adorable animals practicing some of these. They're pretty cute. Yeah. So how does that all sound with kind of next steps and um, moving forward? That sounds great. I mean, yeah, we're just like, I've been really pleasantly surprised by like both of their sort of behavior and demeanor through this, especially since she came into the yeah. house because Sunny is historically, I think of him as being very excitable. Yeah. So, you know, my husband and I are both really, really eager to make this work. Like we want to introduce them as carefully as possible Mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that 
all I really want is to just like get them together right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh, humans. <laughs> we love working things. Right. So we're like reciting all of those impulses because so it's nice to like have sort of a plan. Yeah. And you guys are doing exactly the right thing, you know, reaching out for help to make that plan happen. Yeah. My job as a coach in addition to telling giving you a plan and all that stuff is to be there emotionally for you as well so we have (laughs) right there's expectation management that has to happen here too so you we go to prepare for the worst and hope for the best it Mm -hmm. seems like there are some good signs that are emerging which is lovely but we also need to kind of keep in the back of our mind of what plan a b and c is the Mm -hmm thing is right she is currently a foster which gives you a little bit more wiggle room Mm -hmm. because a wonderful cat that we know that if Sunny shows us after we work a lot on this and make sure that we're giving them the best start that we possibly can if he shows us that he just like can't handle it Mm -hmm. (laughs) then we'll have a plan for that well Right. right I mean we we can do as much as possible Mm -hmm. he also has the kids right so there's a lot happening for him for you know a dog that struggles with excitability so we can definitely work on those skills (laughs) but you know always just kind of keeping in the back of your mind we want this to work it sounds like things are going well but we want to make sure that you know yes if life happens then we we have contingency plans so that's my spiel as always but I want to ask my last thing, which is, do you have any concerns about implementing this plan? I don't think so. I guess, I guess my one, okay, no. So what I was going to say is, I guess my one concern is like, what if I can't get Sunny to eat in different spots? Mm, Okay. Like, I think we'll be able to do that with the cat just fine, especially because she's not totally set in a routine here yet Mm -hmm. but with Sonny like he tends to be really food motivated like that's how we've done all of his training and he's much more into that than like his toys or anything Mm -hmm. but when he's like really excited about something he he forgets about right as we all do yeah unless it's cotton candy (laughs) so (laughs) the important thing is that going back to eating as a behavior is that we can train this. Mm-hmm. So definitely try it out mm-hmm. just at baseline. Right. No cats. No. Yeah. Just yeah. if he struggles with that, then we know we have a larger project. I'm assuming you've done a lot of his food-based training in that living room. Cause that's where he hangs out. Yeah. A lot in the living room and a lot in the kitchen for some reason. Okay. So I would play some training games mm, okay. in the living room and have his food bowl station things out. And you can put some of the treats that you're giving him in those bowls, right? So okay. like if you ask him for some of his basic behaviors, whatever they are, I don't know what your repertoire is, but let's say it's sit because everyone teaches sit first. <laughs> we ask him to sit, we mark good boy. And then instead of giving him the food directly to his face, mm-hmm. we might put it in a bowl, see if he can do that got it we can clean up your mechanics later but i just want to be like if he's excited about training which it seems like he probably is that kind of dude then putting these bowls as origins of food inside that kind Uh of excited feeling will give us a lot of information about whether he can do that okay (laughs) other yeah Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. And then like as like the level of distraction increases, there's like a baseline already of him eating out of those bowls. Exactly. In those areas. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be bowls. I don't know what kind of food he 
and it's, but like I usually recommend stuff like licky mats mm. or snuffle mats mm-hmm. for at least one of these stations because they they take longer, they're more mentally engaging, yeah, and you're getting a lot of really good calming behaviors mm-hmm. while they're getting the food. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. I don't like that expression, but that's yeah, yeah. But I <laughs> <laughs> like that's violent. But yeah, so you could play around with those mm-hmm. as being some of the stations as well if you already have those at home. Sure do. Um, great. If not, I always work so in houses with kids. There's always like placemats, like those like plastic placemats. So I recommend like if you don't have a licky mat, you could just smear oh, yeah. like wet food or yeah. whatever. On, or like on those like plastic silicone plates, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's basically a licky mat just for kids. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I mean we haven't even touched on what how the kids factor into all of yeah. this, and they do mm-hmm. because they have feelings about sunny mm-hmm. as well but let's get the cat and the dog on the right foot and then see how the other variables <laughs> uh play a role great okay i look forward to hearing about how things go and getting some updates and i know everyone who's listening will as well i'll put those up on instagram as yeah. you see me and i am hopeful that this is going to be the start of a very lovely friendship me too thank you so much And thank you for being on the podcast. And if you are a cat and dog person, I'm talking to you people who are listening now, and you're like, whoa, I want to do a dog and cat chat just like Yvonne, because that was really fun and helpful. You can head over to phraseworthypets.com slash chat to sign up. And thank you for listening. And I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. (laughs) 